How are we doing today, Wolfpack fans? This is Pack Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports. I am your host, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth. We got a good episode going. We got a great one to record. I'm excited to get it going. We got football. We got men's basketball, women's basketball. We got volleyball, who just wrapped up their season. And then we got swimming and diving, who played in a tournament. And then we have Pack Player of the Week. And um, we got a good one on that one, kind of one that's running away with it. So uh, it's going to be a good episode, guys, and stay with us. We're back and ready to rumble. Tyler, how you feeling? It was a great weekend, great week for Pac Sports. How we feeling overall? How's the teams doing? I mean, I thought last week was good, but I think I think we might have topped it this week. This week was, yeah, it was very, very good, especially on football's part and then basketball, who um, we'll get to them, but they're doing very good. Uh, women's basketball has some things they need to improve on, something they could build on. We knew that first loss was going to come. And then uh, swimming and diving blew us away again with a great performance. And then um, we'll touch on volleyball. We will kind of break down their season, what really happened with the end of the season, and what we can look forward to next season as um, their season's done now. It's 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 over, you know? It's VSG. No more, no more games playing in VSG until uh, next fall. So we'll get to that it's as a well. Sad day. Sad day indeed. But let's start off with some football because – Arguably, their best game was played on Saturday night against the defending Mountain West champions, Fresno State, who has looked like a completely different... They went from Boise-esque last year to San Jose State Spartan-esque this year. They are completely... It was a tale of two teams. But we took care of business on Saturday night, 35-28 on that last second Toa-Tawa touchdown. We'll we'll get to uh, the Toa madness here in a little bit. But yeah, Saturday night was great for us. Uh, another four-hour game, five-hour game that we played in uh, in Fresno, but we won 35-28. We, this is the second straight win as 14-point underdogs, and uh, we're not the betting type. But if we were, you could have made a lot of money on Nevada Wolfpack these past two weeks. I think we play better as the underdogs. People sleep on us, and uh, we show them what's up. I and I, it was so disrespectful. How are we 14-point underdogs yeah. to a team that was 4-6? and six, Yeah. Who was obviously struggling this year. They really thought about us that low, and we showed them what's up. Another fun fact, we were 3-for-3 three three on fourth downs, which was kind of really big to um, be 3-3 three and three in some clutch moments, including that Quinton Conway fake punt run for 17 yards. Another fun fact, just spewing him out, he is the leading rusher in rushing yards per carry. Is one carry on the season, 17. 17 yards. No one else has that uh, rushing yard per he's per a, yard average. He's a stud. He's, he's, a, he's a stud. an animal. He, you know, he put him put him back there uh, instead of Toa. You know what I mean? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> don't don't do that. Please don't do that. We need Quentin to punt. Yeah, I mean that that was a huge play, and then Quentin stepping up huge. I understand now. We probably maybe should have had him as a pack player. Uh, someone commented hit him as a pack player. I think he got like three four likes. So yeah, I think he's gonna come in second place. For pack player of the week, and he wasn't even one of the options. Yeah, because that one punt to put them in in their uh, three yard line at the very end of the game, and then obviously Fresno State totally botched that entire drive. Drive, yeah, yeah three straight incompletions. 
took like 10 seconds off the clock and then gave the ball back to us with a minute left. In great field position already. Horrible botch drive. I mean, you, why don't you just run the ball and go to overtime? Because it, it's Fresno State, that's why. I don't know. I was completely dumbfounded by that whole drive. But that was a huge punt by Q, pinning them in their three, within their three-yard line to, I mean, eventually win us the game. I mean, that was a huge punt by Q. Really stepped up. Probably should have been a pack player of the week. But Toa Tawa, I don't quite know where to start. I can just go straight in and say that, I mean, I'm a genius, but I don't really want to just say that outright. I mean, you already said it, so might as well just commit now. Since week, what was that, one or two? It was... I said that Toa needs to be running the ball. Way, you know what? I, I would say it might have been like week three or four because the way he was, was getting touches, it was like not He wasn't getting any touches. Yeah. So I said for us to be successful, and we were losing a couple games, and I was like for us to be successful, Toa needs 20 touches. Saturday, 20 touches. Beautiful. That last touchdown run, to give him 20 touches, I was – I mean, I was blown away. 20 times, 135 yards, one TD, second 100-yard rushing game of the season, fifth of his career. No argument here that it was, it's was. it been a down year since his freshman um, Mountain West Player of the Year campaign. But this game, he showed up when he needed to the most. And really, it was our testament to our offensive line, too, getting pushed. And um, that was just huge. 20 times, 135 yards. We've been saying it since day one. He got his 20 touches, and that was the key for us going into the game, and that's what won us the game, in my opinion. Best rushing game of the season, thanks to the offensive line. 254 yards on 34 carries, average of 7.5 yards per carry. Their defense had absolutely no answer for our running game. Uh, The line also stepped up in protecting Carson, just two sacks on 31 passing attempts. Speaking of Carson, very good game. 20 for 31, 154 yards, three TDs, and zero INTs. That stat line is not like, oh, my gosh. Like, look at how many yards he threw for. I think it was like 60-something, maybe 70% completion rate. But those three TDs and zero INTs were huge. We did have two turnovers, two fumbles, but Carson played a very, very clean game, and our offensive line helped with that a lot. One of the sad or just disappointing points was Romeo Dubs was injured uh, against Fresno State, coach said in his pregame presser today that uh, his status is still up in the air for Saturday. We don't quite know what's going on. It'll kind of be a last-minute decision for UNLV. But then our defense stepped up huge. Lawson Hall, his pick came at the perfect time. Um, we needed those turnovers. We needed a little bit of a boost when you know the game was stagnant. And our defense stepped up huge, 53 yards. They ran the ball for 53 yards on the ground. Average of 2.1 yards per carry. You can't win a game running the ball at 53 yards. And our defense stepped up. It kind of, when I saw them not being able to move the ball like that, yeah, Rainia had an okay game, I think three touchdowns. So it was definitely in the air that they made the game close. But when I saw our defense stepping up like that against the run, I knew it was a lock. Like I, I knew it was yeah. like, no matter what, we were winning this game. And so it was great. I mean, if our defense plays like that against Saturday, on Saturday, there's no chance for UNLV. Tyson Williams led the team in tackles, nine tackles on the game, including that crazy hit on the sidelines. Why didn't uh, Rainia just go out of bounds? Like, I was, I was watching that, and I was like, dude, you're going you're gonna to get yourself killed if you keep running the ball like this. I mean, especially with Tyson Williams coming downfield, you do think you'd like just take a little sidestep, get out of bounds, but... 
I guess he wanted the smoke and it it didn't work out well for him. Tyson brought the smoke on that one. And when they were looking at it from helmet to helmet, I was like, there's no way. There's no way it's helmet to helmet. He, they were just looking at it because he stayed on the ground and he got his flank rocked. <laughs> and yeah, it was that hit. I was like, yeah, we're winning this game. Like we just had all the momentum on our side. But kind of some history. We have a shot to get to eight wins in the regular season for the first time since 2010. We got to eight wins last year, but that was including the uh, the bowl win, the, yeah, yeah, the Arizona bowl win. This is also the first time going back to back bowl games. First time since the Alt era, which is kind of crazy as well. Biggest game of the season though, coming up Saturday. There's a lot at stake here. Obviously, a better bowl game. If we win on Saturday, we get a share of the Mountain West title, which is the first thing that's ever happened. I mean, there's just a lot of stake. The cannon, it's red right now. We need to turn it back to blue. Yeah. There's so much at stake on Saturday that I don't see us losing this game. I do not see a scenario with us losing this game at all. I, I, I don't see it happening. There's so much at stake. The seniors are leaving. Just everything. I mean, the blackout, the the UN, the little brothers coming up, that I don't think that we, we lose this game at all. Playing for a share of the Mountain West title with Hawaii, I mean, that is just... First time in history, we need to win this game on Saturday. UNLV's 3-8 and eight, coming off a, I didn't think I'd ever say this, but a big win against San Jose State. <laughs> San Jose State's looked a lot better. UNLV beating them, it's pretty impressive. And this is a team that's getting better with time. They lost to Hawaii, or yeah, they lost to Hawaii by only 14. We remember what Hawaii did to us. And then their most impressive win was against SEC Vandy, who's not the best SEC teams, but still an SEC team. Yeah. But we got some UNLV news. Their coach, Tony Sanchez, is out his last game coaching the Rebels is going to be on Saturday against us. But we have seen Amani Rogers last year and the start of this year. But after a knee injury, we will see true freshman Kenyon Oblad. In 10 games, he has 15 TDs and 9 INTs. So it's not, definitely not the worst, but definitely not the best as well. Against San Jose State, he went 21 for 36, 203 yards, 2 TDs, and 1 INT. Charles Williams is their leading rusher, average of 101 yards per game, so they definitely run more than they throw. Against San Jose State, he had an amazing game with 27 rushes and 186 yards, three TDs. One name to look for on their offense is Randall Grimes, who is their leading receiver. He averages 63 yards per game and has seven TDs, which is I think is like five or four more TDs in their next leading receiver. So he's definitely their go-to guy. Their defense is average at best. They rank 101 in run defense, 95th in passing yards allowed. They also don't take care of the ball well with a minus four turnover margin. They have thrown 12 INTs on the season. How do you think this game is going to go on Saturday? I do not see a scenario where we lose this game at all. I have us winning in literally every scenario that's played out. Just how do you see this game going on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, this is... Like you said, probably one of the most important games we will play all season just because of all these implications. You know, share of the West title with Hawaii would be huge. Mm -hmm. And then also getting to that eight-win mark in the regular season uh, would be massive as well. But, yeah, I agree. I think that this should be a game at home where the fans actually really come out. You know, this team, it's a similar situation to last year. Uh, something we talked about that kind of needed to happen, you know, three, four weeks ago when we were in a you know this rough stretch. You know, if we can win out these last three games – you know, the fans are going to hop back on, especially against UNLV. Yep. Uh, it's probably going to be a cold one, but it's going to be well worth your time at Mackey. Uh, so I think the fans come out for this game. I think the crowd is absolutely crazy. The atmosphere inside Mackey in a cold, you know, late November kind of game is something special. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they can hang with us. I mean, with 
I mean, maybe with Amari Rodgers there, you know, that dual threat is something we've had problems with this year. Mm-hmm. But with their backup, a true freshman that we see, he's not playing terrible, but he's not playing great. And I right. think our defense can definitely step up. And they're probably going to try to rely on the run game. But as we've seen the last couple of weeks, our defense is stopping the run with force and, you know, swift and certainty. So it's going to be a, an interesting kind of matchup there. But I agree. I think that it's not going to be a blowout because I still think it is a rivalry game. UNLV is going to be pretty fired up for this one. You know, with us wearing their color, I hope we can beat them in their own color. That's kind of what I'm excited for for these blackout jerseys. Best thing we will wear all season, that is my hot take for this game. I think they are crisp. They are clean. The battleborn on the side of the helmet, it's something that's going to be really pretty to look at. So get out to Mackey. Don't watch it from TV. Watch from, you know, in the stadium. It's going to be a real good one. Maybe this will start the tradition of wearing black jerseys because I wasn't completely sold on them when I first heard that we were doing a blackout just because it is UNLV's color. Like, black is one of UNLV's yeah. colors. So it's it's like I hate wearing anything that resembles the Little Brothers down south, but maybe it you know this, this jersey can turn things around. And we start this game with this jersey – beat UNLV, and then this is kind of like a staple, like yeah. blackout. I mean, the jerseys are tight. I mean, They're the clean. The the helmet, the black-on-black helmet, like the gray, you know. It's like ra- a silver-gray, like, accent on right. the helmet. And then the, the black helmet, it's yeah. so clean. So, I mean, I wasn't completely sold. I'm still not 100% on them because just it's like, ugh. Wearing UNLV's colors just puts a well, bad Well, think about this, too. Basketball has black jerseys. It's true. Baseball's got black jerseys. This and is true. I think the baseball jerseys are the cleanest jerseys. The black jerseys, yes. the baseball ones, the battleborns are the cleanest they have. Uh, so I think football is just trying to hop on the train, honestly. Yeah. And and they look fine. They yeah. look they look great. They look really good. So yeah. maybe this starts them wearing it every year, and I would I would like to see it. It's kind of cool. But biggest game of the year, arguably on Saturday. Before this, I thought the Fresno State game was going to be the biggest, just because. You beat San Diego State, you have momentum, and we had six wins. If we lose to Fresno State, then this game becomes a do-or-die to get to seven for UNLV, but we took care of business at Fresno State. We got to take care of business on Saturday and potentially make history, and right now it's to play into a better bowl game as well. ESPN right now has us either in the New Mexico Bowl against Louisiana Tech or the Idaho Potato Bowl against (laughs) Eastern Michigan. So, I mean, those are... All right, bowl games, but yeah. I mean, if we get to that, we get to that eighth win before the bowl game, we're only going to get into a better bowl game and play some better competition. So while those bowl games are fine, I would like it to, you know, obviously get that eighth win, beat UNLV, get the get the cannon back. They talked a lot about the cannon today, obviously at the press conference. And one thing I thought was interesting was Coach Norvell keeping the players out in the field last year when they, we went to UNLV, we lost. Um, the cannon went back to being red. He kept the players on the field to see them celebrate, you know, take it to midfield, watch the fans go crazy. Um, that's something they kind of had to deal with, and they talked a lot about it. They're, that taste in their mouth, they've had it all year. So that's another reason why I don't see a situation where we lose because this team wants to win so desperately bad against UNLV that it would be short of – a Rudy miracle for UNLV to beat us. Yeah. Like, I don't see that happening. I have us winning 31-21. I think we're going to win by 10, but I th- still think that they're going to score a little bit. I think they're running back. I think that Charles Williams is too too prolific. I think he's a very, very good running back. And I think that while we have been really 
good at stopping the run. The combination of maybe they hit a couple deep passes with Charles Williams um, punching it in the red zone. I think they're going to get around 21 points. I could see them maybe scoring two touchdowns and a field goal. But I think we're going to put up a lot of points. I think we're going to be prolific. Carson has been playing his, his best football. And I think you play your best football at this point. It's really good. And uh, I think he's going to have a huge game. I see another two touchdowns, maybe three. Who knows? Oof. And But uh, Toa got to get his 20 touches. And But Devontae Lee, that's, that's, that's a name that against Fresno State, I did not think we were going to see – Devontae Lee go off like we saw him go off. I think he only ran the ball seven times, but he ran it for 71 yards. 71 yards, a huge TD. He looked like a man on a mission. He cannot be stopped. I'm so excited to see that duo develop another year and run for our offense again. But Devontae Lee, Toa Tawa, I think that combo is going to have a huge game. But Kelton Moore is going to run the ball a lot too, senior day. You know, um, he's going to be running the ball a lot. We got to get him some touches before he leaves. But a young team, but coach said we have 17 seniors on the team that are leaving, which is kind of crazy. But a young team, while we don't see too many seniors leaving, the seniors that are leaving are going to leave big holes for us. I mean, you see uh, Gabe Sewell, you see Caleb Fossum, you see Quentin Conway. You see Lucas Weber. Lucas Weber. You see Malik Brody at another linebacker position. Uh, Daniel Brown, I mean, yeah. the leader of our secondary, going to be gone. You just see a lot of pieces. Kelton Moore, uh, while he doesn't do the most on the stat line, he's a leader on that offense for sure. Brandon O'Leary-Orange, wide, wide receiver. Ben Putman, wide receiver and returner. Just a lot of people that are retur- or that are leaving that's going to hurt, I think. While we don't have that uh, that many seniors leaving, those seniors that are leaving are going to hurt, and we're going to have to rely on our young team next year to kind of fill that role. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of those, the seniors that are leaving – you know, have been injured too, like Caleb Voss and Lucas Weber. Yeah. Someone, a couple of names we haven't called in a couple of weeks just because of injuries and stuff. So, in that respect, it makes me hopeful for next season because we played so many games without them already. Right. That you know these younger guys can start getting some minutes this year, opposed to you know kind of throwing them in the ringer next year. But it's just kind of sad to see. Like I remember Caleb Voss when he posted that on Twitter saying the season's over. You just hate to see that for a guy who works so hard, especially for a guy that's played you know all four years here, uh, putting his time. Has over a thousand receiving yards for you know our college. Uh, it's just something really sad. And Lucas Weber, the same situation. Mm-hmm. Jake so, Nelson's another guy. Jake Nelson, yeah. yeah, another dude who's started you know mm-hmm. many years on this offensive line and was supposed to be an anchor for us this year. So you know, seeing that it's always the worst. But um, to try to take a positive out of it, it's just you know getting our younger players time this year and some of these really tight you know games and situations. You know, Fresno State was a was a good game, like we said. You yeah. know. It was a you know tight battle that came down to Toa's touchdown at the end, but you know it makes me hopeful for next year. Even though we are gonna leave some big gaps in this offense and defense, that we can you know have players that have experience now under their belt playing in you know good games and you know trying to finish us this season pretty strong too. Do you have a score prediction for how Saturday is gonna go? I mean, I, I've said it. I don't see us losing, but do you have a different scenario in mind? I mean, the only scenario that I can think of that we do lose this game is that Kenyon Oblad just goes off for the game of his life, and then Charles Williams is able to bounce off of that, and it's just too much for our defense. Um, but And then it becomes a shootout at that point because mm-hmm. I don't think their defense uh, can really kind of stop us from scoring a lot of right. points. I agree with you in that respect, but that's really the only scenario, and that's, for me, it's a, a long shot. Um, you know, Charles Williams can have a game, but – 
you know, once we start putting, you know, seven, eight people in that box, you know, can Kenny and Oblad throw the ball to his receivers and make good reads? And I don't think, as a true freshman in a rival game, I think his nerves are going to kind of get the better of him. He might throw a couple picks in the first half, but I see his winning this game easily. I think 21-17 is going to be my score, a little bit lesser scoring than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think our offense puts up points. I can see them scoring easily over 28, but 28-17 is kind of where I'm sitting at. I think our defense does a great job again, and I think we uh, we turn the cannon back blue. The only other thing that just scares me a little bit is that um, Tony Sanchez is out. So you don't know if their team is going to – how they're going to react. You know, they might want to send them off on a very historic win. And, um, yeah, so you don't know how the team's going to respond to that news of their coach being fired. Saturday is going to be his last game coaching them. So that is a little interesting because these are all his guys. He's been there for five years, so it's it's his team that he brought in. And the seniors that are leaving, and this is their last game, they're definitely going to want to put on a show, and they're going to want to win this game. There, there's no doubt that both teams are going to play their hardest football all year yeah. long. And so I just think at Mackey, we're trying to turn the cannon blue. We're trying to go for so many historic marks. There's no way we lose this game. We're going to send Tony Sanchez off a loser just like UNLV is, and we're going to take care of business. The cannon's going to turn blue. Fans are going to be extremely happy for what they see on Saturday. There's no doubt, and we're going to get into a better and bigger bowl game. We're going to win nine games, and this season's going to be historic. And saying that, after all the losses that we had in the beginning, is insane. So. It's like that. Uh, it's like that one meme on Twitter. It's like, who would have thought? Huh? Yeah, who, who would have thought? We're here. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> we're 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 playing for nine wins, you know. But that is something that uh, we can hang our hats on and build for next year. Great win on Saturday, and now we're looking forward to Saturday against the Little Brothers down south. We'll be able to recap that game on Monday, and um, yeah, we'll be able to get that dub against UNLV and turn the cannon blue. But moving on, we got some men's basketball that has been playing this past weekend. They have another game tonight at 5 against Bowling Green because they beat Fordham on Friday and then uh, Valparaiso on Sunday. Fordham, we won 74-60. to Team shot 44% from the field, 41% from three. Shot a total of 31 threes. You shoot 31 threes, 41% from beyond the arc. You're That's a lot win. of points. You're going to win the game. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Jalen Harris went 17 for 13 from the field, 5 for 9 from 3, 22 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, kind of did a little bit of everything. Jalen Harris apparently loves playing in the Virgin Islands, by the way. We'll get to his game against Valpo in a little bit, but he loves playing in the U.S. Virgin Islands. 17 points for Jazz Johnson. K.J. Himes had a pretty good game against um, Fordham. 11 points, only 2 fouls. I mean, we see him fouling out in like what? five minutes or seven minutes. Right. And he, day. I, yeah, he played 11, 12 minutes in this game, 11 points, two fouls. It's not a bad game for KJ Himes. He's slowly but surely going to come along. Yeah. And that's what I, we talked about this off air and I brought up to you that, you know, KJ, this might be kind of a good stepping stone for him because, yeah. you know, he's had a rough time early in the season being kind of having that heavy weight of expectation on him you know the Mountain West freshman of the year Mm -hmm. getting that honor in the offseason was kind of you know a big thing to put on a young guy like KJ but yeah I think he really stepped up in this game and I really liked what I saw from very efficient shooting as well and he was like four from four for six something like that somewhere around there efficient shooting 11 points and then you love to see the two fouls uh because he's you know not been you know playing the most minutes because of those fouls so it's uh it's a good stepping stone for KJ and I hope he can kind of take with that uh, and run with it a little later in the season. 
And then we played Valpo on Sunday and probably the best game that we've seen the Pack play this year. Yeah, in I total, mean, yeah. I they agree. they played the best basketball. And Val- Valpo's not a bad team either. I mean, granted, they're not the best basketball team we're going to see this year, but they're not the worst either. Um, we absolutely killed them, 84 to 59. I thought we were going to put – I thought we were going to beat them by 30 at one point. I mean, this team was not stopping – Jalen Harris had his best game as a Nevada basketball player. 25 points, 9 for 15 on shooting, a very efficient, 6 rebounds, 5 assists again, uh, 25 points, like I said, the most in a Nevada uniform since, um, since obviously he started playing this year. The huge game, his best game of the year. Five players scored in double digits. Jalen, Jazz, Nisre, Lindsey, and Zane. Zane Meeks, I mean, he had his best game in the Nevada uniform as well. 11 points, four rebounds, and he was everywhere at all times. This team had a very, very efficient day from the field. They shot over 50%. I don't think they ever dipped below 50% in this game. 51% from the field, 43% from three, 10 for 21, 10 for 23 from the three-point line. Free throw percentage, 71%, but, I mean, we didn't, Dip below 50. We absolutely took care of business when we needed to take care of. Gabe Bensuelo and Zachary Williams came into the game. That's always fun to see. Uh, Zachary Williams got a steal. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So he got he got on the stat sheet a little bit. So that's cool to see. But, I mean, just absolutely could not be stopped. And this is great momentum going into the bowling green game, which they play today at 5 o'clock. So, I mean, this tournament may be the turning point for this Nevada basketball team. And if we keep playing our best basketball and going into this Bowling Green game, winning the championship, we have, I think, four more non-conference games. Uh, it's a huge boost to this team. I think we'd be 5-3. and three. Just absolutely huge boost for this team after uh, what happened, those two losses against, you know, that blowout loss against Davidson and USC before that. So just playing their best basketball right now, it's it's really fun to watch. Yeah, and I think if we, you know, keep playing this way in the Virgin Islands, we might have to, you know, move Lawler you know, into, yep. you know, the Virgin Islands, honestly. I agree. I mean, that would be a home court. I agree. That'll this be great. team is just shooting the lights out of the gym, and it's really fun to to watch and yeah. uh, to kind of follow it as well. Kind of disappointing we don't play Cincy in the championship, though, after they get uh, they get upset here. but um, That might be the biggest headline of, of the tournament. <laughs> Cincy, it should be, yeah. Cincy losing another, like, blowout win. I think they were up by 13 points at one point. Going into the second half, I think they were up late, like with a couple minutes left. There or like half the half left, they were up by like ten points. Yeah. So another blown loss from Cincy. We've seen that before. Another tournament game where they blown a lead. We saw that in 2018. But yeah, I really wanted to see a repeat of 2018 March Madness against Cincy, and we're gonna miss it. Yeah. So sad. It is sad, you know. But you know, this team's hot right now. Whatever Coach Alfred has them doing, uh, they got to keep it rolling because this is just really fun basketball to watch. And hopefully, you know, like you said, they can take this momentum, carry it back into Lawler for these last n- couple non-conference games, uh, home and away, and then really just start conference with a bang. But yeah, this is just fun to watch right now. Fun to listen to in our case because we did not want to pay that twelve dollar fee <laughs> yeah. to watch we're these college games. Chance, ladies and gentlemen right? um yeah so if anyone has a login uh yeah. send it to a paschke at unr.edu <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but bowling green should be a fun one as well obviously they're playing a little bit later today uh so we'll have that breakdown next monday mm-hmm. but um it's gonna be a fun uh last tournament game bowling greens no slouch you know they beat cincy right came back against cincy so that's something to hang their hat on 
they got a little bit of momentum going in this game, but I think we have, you know, a lot more momentum, and I think that, you know, our players just love playing in the Virgin Islands. Jalen Harris definitely does. That's for dang sure, and then hopefully he'll be able to keep this going when we come back home. After Bowling Green, we have Santa Clara at home. Then we play our first Mountain West game, which is kind of weird, at Air Force, and then we go back to our non-conference. Oh, that's right. Again, yeah, then we at, they're at BYU, and then we play Texas Southern at home, and then we play St. Mary's in the new um, – Chase Center yep. in San Fran. So that's kind of cool. And then, then we go into the bulk of our Mountain West schedule. We have all Mountain West after that St. Mary's game on December 21st. So that will be huge to see how we kind of round out the non-conference. That stretch of BYU, Texas Southern, and St. Mary's is going to be huge. If we could at least take two of those three games, like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I don't see us beating St. Mary's, but if we beat BYU, which is a very, very good WCC, I think, West Coast Conference. Yeah, they're West Coast. Yeah, if that's a big that's a big win. And then uh, that Texas Southern, who we got uh, John Jones, a former PAC uh, coach, coming back to Lawler. That will be a huge win as well. Just how we could fill out this non-conference schedule. Obviously, they don't really mean much. We're not really playing for an at-large bid here. Yeah. But to just for the confidence of this team, I think that would be – That'd be huge. But Bowling Green, they obviously beat Cincy, came back. Justin Turner and Dylan Fry, they're this team's one-two punch. Against Western Kentucky, they combined for 46 out of their 77 points. Against Cincy, they had, I think, four players scoring double digits, but they combined for 38 out of their 91 points. So they're definitely their go-to guys. A championship win in this tournament gives this team a boost, gives them a championship, just something to hang their hat on. I think Coach Alford won. I was reading that Coach Alford won this tournament, uh, the U.S. Virgin or the Paradise Jam uh, tournament, I think in 2014 or something like that. So it'll be a repeat for him. And, and also his daughter got engaged on Saturday. Coach Alford? Yesterday. Yeah. Co- I saw really? it, Yeah, I saw it in a uh, post-game press conference. He said, my, my daughter got engaged today, so it was a win-win for him. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing they went with him to Virgin Islands. And, that, I mean, that's pretty cool, too. So a great uh, weekend for Coach Alfred and company. Yeah. Definitely over there. Huge, huge win, and we'll hope to keep it going. We'll have that full breakdown, like you said, on Monday, and uh, we'll see if Jalen can uh, beat his 25 points that he that he put on against um, Valpo. We'll see how that goes. Women's basketball, though, they played Saturday. They traveled to Oregon. They took on Portland State. They lost that game 80-75, to but they were down – 18 points, yeah, and I was convinced that we were going to lose in blowout fashion. Check the phone again. We were both working, so we didn't get to watch it, but I then checked the phone again, and we were within, like, five. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, what is going on? And, I mean, that just showed grit. We did lose 80-75, to 75, first loss of the season, but, I mean, it was overall not – not a bad game. We knew Portland State was probably going to be one of the harder tests of this non-conference. While they're not a big men's basketball team, so not a lot of people know of them, they're a pretty good women's basketball team. They were in the NCAA tournament, like you said, last year. They lost to, obviously, the best team in women's basketball, Oregon. So definitely not a bad loss at all. But four different pack players scored in double digits. The scoring leader was Marguerite Effa, who had a career day, 19 points off the bench, nine rebounds. That was a game that I was glad to see because we haven't really been saying her name much. And for her to step up in a game that we really needed her to step up, this team has so many weapons. And I'll be interested to see how they all mesh together when it really matters, conference play. Um, Amani Lacey also had her best scoring output, 15 points. 
But turnovers in this game were abundant. Nevada had 18. Portland State had 22. Um, but while we did have uh, the most turnovers, I think, that we've seen this season, ladies had a season-high 20 assists. Michaela Mayo and Jenna Williams had each four assists to that 20 assists total. We had role players step up in this game, 49 bench points compared to that 26 points from the starters. I think uh, Essence Booker didn't have her best game, but everyone else stepped up, made it a very, very close game. Um, I think there's a lot of positives we can take away from this yeah. game. I mean, just the ability to come back from an 18-point loss, not hanging your head. A lot of teams would just pack up bags and quit and say, you know, it's not our day. But they made it a very close game. I mean, it came down to a game-time three-pointer three that uh, we shot. So I think there's a lot of positives we can take away from this game. I think it's grit. I think it's determination. And it's typical Amanda Levin's basketball. You know, there's team not giving up, playing the hardest they can. They, she has a very special team over there. I'm excited what we do um, going forward, looking at this Chicago State game. We play them the day after Thanksgiving in Lawler at 2 p.m., Definitely a completely different team from this Portland State team. Definitely yeah. not the best team, but it will be a game to kind of get things back on track. What did you take away from this game? I think, yeah, the first thing we have to obviously address is the comeback. I mean, yeah. when anytime a team comes back from any deficit that large, you know, against, you know, you're playing anyone either, you know, that's 18 is a lot in yes, basketball. It is. Um, so it's just to see them come back and really make it a game was something that was a highlight for me, even though they lost. I think it was still kind of. You know, there are, I don't like to say there's such things as moral wins, but I think this is about as close as you can get to one. Yeah. Coming back and then just the bench play in this game was great. Jenna Williams, a name that we don't, we haven't really talked about much this season, you know, sharing that game high with four assists. I thought she played really well. And then, you know, the two people we said that needed to have kind of big games, Effa and Lacey, they mm -hmm. did. Yeah. And no, we just really didn't get that production out of our starters, which, you know, it happens every once in a while. And I think our bench, you know, picked up the slack really, really well. Just kind of seeing that all-around team effort, you know, when your best player, Essence Booker, isn't really having her best game. Um, you can get bench players like Imani Lacey, Marguerite Effa coming off the bench, scoring in double figures, and really kind of helping out the other starters. And I think that's a big part of a lot of teams that we don't see. But all the good teams, you know, have those couple bench players that can really come in and uh, change a game. So I think I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a you know fun team to watch. We've been saying it all season. Super exciting team. Scoring can come from anywhere. Their leadership is, you know, spread out and abundant. You know, everyone kind of taking part in that leadership role, especially with Marguerite Effa being a senior. You could see her leadership with 19 points off the bench. Just one rebound short of her second double-double this season. So it's a good one. I think that, you know, it's it's a good stepping stone to kind of have, you know, some of your bench players play, you know, this well. And I think uh, Chicago State should be a cakewalk for this team. Yeah. Uh, Dom Phillips was another player who stepped up huge in this game. 14 points, five rebounds, two assists. She kind of was everywhere at all times, and she really stepped up huge in this game. But yeah, Jenna Williams, another player that did very well. She's kind of like the facilitator of this team. She doesn't really score a lot, but she makes plays happen, and she's very good with the ball. She, yeah. knows, she knows where to pass the ball. But Essence Booker, though, did have a kind of off day, uh, just seven points. But she didn't really shoot the ball. I mean, it was just three for four shooting. So that was kind of interesting to see. She did not shoot the ball very well. They only shot 10 three-pointers, which was kind of interesting. But like you said, like moving ahead, we have the Nugget Classic coming to Reno. Uh, we play Chicago State for that first game on Friday. And then Stephen F. Austin and UC Santa Barbara are the other two teams that are going to be playing in this four-team field for the Nugget Classic. 
after our first game. The next game is going to be on Sunday of against, obviously, we're going to beat Chicago State. There's no way. What, what was that one stat you were telling me the other day? It was between the years 2016 and 2018, so pretty recent. Yeah. Chicago State lost 59 straight games, which set an NCAA record for the most consecutive games lost. See, that in itself tells me we're going to beat this team. Yeah. Like, there's no way a team with that many losses can beat us. Stephen F. Austin and UC Santa Barbara play, and then I think the winner or the loser of that team will play the loser of Chicago State on Sunday at 11, and then obviously us and the winner of Stephen F. Austin and UC Santa Barbara, we play 2 p.m. on Sunday. So that will be um, a fun, I mean, fun little weekend, fun couple games for us, and I think we could go 2-0 in that tournament. Obviously, I'd like to see that UCSB matchup. That would be a fun. They're not a bad women's basketball team either, so that would be a fun matchup to play. And then Air Force. They they like to play the Mountain West game against Air Force before our non-conference <laughs> is done because we play them December seventh for our first Mountain West conference game. Wonder why that is. We got to talk to scheduling and yeah. you know pick their brains a little bit for this. Yeah, one. I'll I'll call up Nuth real quick and I'll ask him what's going on. Yeah, they got the number in the back pocket. Got him on speed dial, but um and but then those U- Utah USC games going on later. Those are gonna be big games, but yeah. we'll be able to break everything down when they come. Chicago State Lawler, two p.m. Friday. Be a huge game the day after Thanksgiving. We'll be able to break that down on Monday. But looking ahead to a not-so-fun ending is volleyball. Their season is now concluded after their final game on the season on Saturday. There's, they finished 17-13, and 13, a winning record, but a 7-11 and 11 record in conference. They ended their season with a four-game skid against Wyoming, which was Thursday. The match went to five sets. We won the first two. I was feeling really good. I was like, here we go, baby. Let's get a sweep. And then, um, yeah, Wyoming came back, won the next three sets to win them the entire game, three sets to two. Kayla Foa tallied her 16th double-double of the season, 13 kills, 17 digs, while Daylon Burns recorded her 14th double-double with 26 assists and 18 digs. Sydney Peterson was not far behind in kills with 11 and then led the team with six blocks, while Cassie McGill had three block assists. And then we played number 11th nationally ranked Colorado State. They didn't lose in conference, which is, I mean, they were playing the Mountain West, but that's incredible. Yeah. To win that many games and not falter once. Yeah. uh, 11th ranked Colorado State, that's definitely a good ranking for them. I mean, if you go undefeated in conference, you deserve to be ranked in the top 25. That's that's amazing. They're going to go to the NCAA tournament. We lost to them. We got swept three sets to zero. Cameron Rocha, Ryan Blackwood, and Daylon Burns played in their final match of the season on Saturday afternoon. They were the three graduating seniors. It was a tough matchup. We fell in three sets. The pack finished the season with an overall record of 17 and 13, like I said. Cameron Rocha posted five kills with Ryan Blackwood having three digs and Daylon Burns accounting for 10 assists. Those are the three seniors that are leaving. Kayla Foa and Brianna Souza led the team with six kills each while Foa finished with 10 digs, just too shy of 1,000 on her career. We're going to get her back next year, though, so she's definitely going to hit that 1,000 dig mark. Burns finished her career with over 3,000 assists for just the fifth time in program history. She also moved into fifth in all-time assists. That is going to hurt losing here next year. Someone's going to have to fill that role. I mean, we just need someone to step up with the assist. Dalen Burns, arguably one of the best in program history at doing it. She is now gone after her four years here. Just an amazing, amazing player. That's definitely going to hurt going forward. I think this season was a humbling experience. 
for both the team and me because I was way too sold on this team way too early. I don't know if it was the non-conference scheduling. I don't know if the team just got ahead of themselves, but that five-game losing streak in the, the middle of the conference schedule and then ending the conference schedule with a four-game losing streak, it just wasn't the best conference schedule, obviously, for Nevada. I don't know if that was attributed to a too easy non-conference or just what was going on. But I mean, building like looking forward, we have a lot of young pieces that are going to come back and we're going to be able to build for next year. I think we're going to have another very successful year next year. It's just maybe we need to schedule a little bit of harder teams in the non-conference to really get us ready for a Mountain West conference that was up this year in yeah, volleyball. Definitely. They, they were, it was a very good Mountain West conference for overall volleyball play. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, that obviously, I mean, the five, like you said, the five-game skid and then the four-game skid to end the season, you know, nine of those games being accounted for 11 of our conference losses, you know, just a couple of those go our way. We have a, you know, a, might have a winning record in conference, mm-hmm. finish the season with a lot better overall record as well, but yeah, like you said, it might have been, you know, an early, easy scheduling kind mm-hmm. of issue. We didn't think so, you know, at the time. But now looking back, what actually happened to this team? You know, it's yep. it's something that we don't know. Was Like, it might have been something, you know, the team-wise, like yeah. behind closed doors. Like internal, yeah. yeah. So you never know with this team. But like you said, we're only losing three seniors. Ryan Blackwood's going to hurt. She was kind of our starting libero. And then Dalen Burns as well, yeah. like you said, one of – fifth and all-time assists you know that is a great accomplishment for her but I think we have some pieces that we could slot into those holes we see Kayla Spivak play that libero position when Ryan Blackwood wasn't in uh, she did a pretty good job this year uh, a couple falters here and there but she did have a couple of really good games this season that kind of you know made me optimistic for next year it's going to be a fun kind of offseason to see where you know Lee Nelson takes his team in the offseason and then you know seeing where you know everything kind of ends up with our you know non-conference next year see if that schedule beefs up a little bit but you know all in all I don't think it was a disappointing season probably disappointing in the ending but I think like you said, we have a lot of good pieces to build on for next year on this kind of younger team. Definitely. I mean, end of the season, like just personal results for everyone. The All of these are in the Mountain West standings. Dalen Burns finished fifth in assists. Sydney Peterson, who's a true freshman, finished fourth in blocks. Kayla Foa, who we get back next year, she's a junior, finished fifth in kills. Mandalay Renan, who's a freshman, finished in uh, finished fourth in service aces. And then obviously Kayla Foa finished eighth in digs and fourth in points. So we're getting all those people back, except obviously Dalen Burns. So we have a young team, but they're, you know, they did very well this team this year. Sydney Peterson, I'm going to be interested to see how she does next year. Mandalay Renan, who was a true freshman as well, see how she's going to do next year. And then Kayla Foa is just going to get better with time, obviously. So we're going to have a good team next year, and we'll be able to uh, see how next year's results. Hopefully we have the same non-conference, but a little bit better in the conference standings. And hopefully... You know, maybe we can make that postseason run next year. Definitely not this year, as this season is now wrapped up and over. Another team, though, another program that played this last weekend was swimming and diving. The Nevada swim team wrapped up competition at the Phil Hansel Invitational on Saturday, November 23rd. The team put up 699 points. This was good for a fifth-place finish, so top five. Houston took the meet with 1,737 points, followed by Rice, Then that was followed by Washington State and then Tulane and then obviously us at five. We were the top finishers in the Mountain West, though. Colorado State, Air Force, and New Mexico were there. They finished below us. 
The funny part is that the final scores include diving events as well. We didn't yeah. even have any divers. We didn't have play. any divers. So we had all swimming meets. We finished fifth, and we didn't even have our diving team participate. I don't understand how that's even possible. You would think we'd be, like, bottom third because we don't even have any points from or diving. Like, even if we had, like, a good day swimming, we'd be, like, in the middle of the pack somewhere, but we finished right. fifth. And we, we beat out all Mountain West teams. And we didn't even have diving participate. That just shows you the level of dominance that our swimming and diving team is on. If we had diving, we would have won this tournament. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about it. Because we got zeros from all the diving events, but our swimming alone put us in fifth place, a top five finish. I mean, just an amazing, amazing tournament from swimming and diving, or technically just swimming. swimming. <laughs> and... Um, We'll look to build on it. I mean, Victoria Samuela in the 200 breaststroke finished fifth overall with a time of 2 minutes, 13 seconds. Good for an NCAA B-cut time. Don't know what that means, but obviously it's impressive. I think it's like the, you know, in tennis where there's like the, the A section and B section. Right. And so I think like that's like, it's the same thing as swimming and diving. So you have like A is like your best swimmers, and then B-cut is, like, that second tier, and then I don't know how many tiers there are, but obviously we're not the biggest swimming and divers. Um, right. But, you know, we're learning. Yeah, we are learning. learning. We are learning. Uh, so she finished fifth in that overall. Donna DiPolo, who's been our favorite to report on just because of that damn name, is amazing. Uh, so she took seventh with uh, two minutes and 14 seconds, just a second behind uh, Samula. The relay team competed in the 400 free relay to conclude the night. The squad posted a time of 3 minutes, 23 seconds, and picked up a fourth-place finish to secure the fifth-place overall team finish. They're off till December 7th. They travel to Hayward, California for a dual meet with Cal State East Bay. So we'll be able to recap that when it happens. But, I mean, an overall great tournament and something that we can build off. Maybe if diving was there, we could have finished first overall but you know just an overall great tournament that we can ultimately build on uh for december 7th yeah i think that's the that's the best part to me yeah, is that we didn't definitely. even have our diving team and we finished fifth in this tournament yep you know a solid a solid showing you know not a lot of you know first place finishes but you know we're getting enough points to you know finish fifth in the tournament i think that's absolutely crazy i mean yep. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like no. that. But, I mean, like you said, it just shows how dominant our swimming and diving team has been, you know, year in and year out. And yep. um, all the work they're putting into, it's really paying off and it coming to these meets. And then last but definitely not least, Pack Player of the Week. Yep. We remembered to do it. We wanted to wait till after the basketball game to get all those stats in. Jalen Harris, who probably would have been my personal Pack Player of the Week just because that's something – those performances are something he could build off of. And yeah. we can really see what he can do now. An easy 25 points against Valpo. I wouldn't be surprised if he duplicates that against uh, Bowling Green and we get that tournament win. But ultimately, it was not Jalen Harris to pull out the win. It was, drumroll please, Devontae Lee, who definitely deserved that one. Yeah. I mean, his best game in a Nevada uniform, um, 77 yards, uh, TD, uh, just four rushes. Just four rushes, yeah. 77 yards. Broke one that big 51-yarder. Yeah, and he had a great day. Definitely gave our team a boost. He won with 69% of the 108 votes. There is technically two hours left on the poll, on the you know the voting poll or whatever, on our Twitter, but we're breaking it now. I mean, the next the next close is Jalen Harris with 25. There's no way he's going to lose yeah. this one. Um, a lot of traction, though, a lot of comments. And uh, another one was Quentin Conway, who... 
arguably I could see an argument being made for him winning it as well. Yeah, I think he pulls up in second. I mean, yeah. the, the momentum that that 17-yard run gave us, I think, set us up for the rest of the game. And I think right. and and that, then that punt. punt at the end of the game. It's such an overrated or an underrated position is yeah, the punt. Yeah, I agree. Because without pinning him within their three, I mean, that obviously still would have tried to pass the ball. But, I mean, it would have been a lot harder or a lot easier for them not being pinned in their three, if they would have just been on the 20 or something, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, and so, then even if our defense stops them on the 20, they still right, punt the ball right. to our side of the field yeah. a lot deeper, and we have to drive even farther even, than exactly. you know, another 20-something yards. Exactly. It worked, out, it worked out perfectly for us. I mean, Quinton had a great game. Everyone just played outstanding. So Quinton probably comes in second, for sure. Yeah. But Devontae Lee takes the mold. We could have... We could have put so many people up there. Probably could have put Carson. Probably could have put Toa. Toa yeah. But, um, yeah, just a great game by overall the, the football team, and we'll be able to see what they can do on uh, Saturday against the Little Brothers down south. Hopefully we can, you know, slap them around, make them, you know, because we saw a lot of stuff on social media about how they're going to be able to come up here and uh, potentially beat this team. So it will be nice to put them in their place and, uh, you know, put the little brothers where are supposed to be in there. That's losing to us, losing to the big brother. With that being said, do you have any last thoughts going into the end of the episode? Honestly, the only thing that I'm thinking about right now is basketball takes the dub tonight. Yep. We take that trophy back to Reno, and then we get another trophy on Saturday in yep. the Fremont Cannon and turn that color Blue the way it should the be. The way it should yeah, be. Definitely. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. I think basketball wins their championship, wins their trophy today. And then obviously the cannon is coming back to Reno where it should be, like we've been saying. It it should never touch the cursed soil of Las Vegas. That ugly so, dirt that yeah. Vegas has. Yes. It should not it should never touch that. So um it's gonna come back. I'm excited. It's gonna be one of the best football games of the season. Um, Fresno State, while wow, that was the best game so far, we got to change that and we got to have our best game on Saturday. And then we'll look towards the bowl game. We'll have that preview, obviously, when it comes. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening and giving us your time. And let's go, Pack. <laughs>